Welcome to a shot of Business Central and a beer. This is episode two. Uh, we're going to be talking about June updates and, and things like that for Business Central. First, let's start with Ken, because Ken is the beer guy. What'd you bring today, Ken? Hey, Michael. Uh, glad to be here as always. Uh, today, we're going to be drinking Fat Tire. Oh, popular. It, yep, yep. It's a uh, oldie but a goodie. It's a... Uh, so it's a Belgian red pale ale um, made by New Belgium Brewery yeah. out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Nice. Um, so let's go ahead and let's take a Crank sip here. Let's, let's uh, get started right away here. So, in the, you know, comes in a can. Make okay. sure it's, uh, it stays nice and fresh. There we go. So... Yeah, it's an amber ale, a very different flavor from the uh, zombie, Ameri dust. zombie dust American yeah. pale ale we had last time. Yeah. Right? You can taste that. I'd say, I'd say it's a little bit more smooth to me. Yeah. Not, not as hoppy, I guess. Um, right. It's a little less alcohol. It's 5.2% yeah. alcohol. So, yeah, it's a little, little lighter uh, in terms of the alcohol. Um, but... It, it uh, yeah, it's an amber ale, it's still an ale, so it kind of has that, that smoothness to it. Yeah. Um, I'm getting hints of earthy tones that are most likely found off uh, the coast of the island Madeira. Wow, there you go. There you go. There you go. That's kind of funny, you know. Uh, beer, beer advocate uh, says that uh, it, the pro flavor profile originates in the 1930s when local Belgian breweries aimed to satisfy the tastes of visiting British soldiers. Really? So you may detect notes of English floral hops oh. <laughs> or with a subtle malt sweetness and spiciness to it. I get, I get the malt, maybe a note of some darker fruits. Um, yeah. I don't know about the 1930s flavoring from uh, Belgium or brewery or beer from yeah. Europe, but right. Um, but yeah, so it goes on uh, fresh herb, herbal hop balance and a touch of fruity yeast uh, offer drinkers everywhere a timeless craft beer experience. Nice. So <laughs> there you go. Definitely has lively carbonation. I'm just um, I'm just glad to be drinking a beer here with yeah. you. Agreed. Agreed. On, on a nice summer afternoon. Yeah, no rain for once. Um, so, you know, part of, part of the picking the beer is also, you know, the brewery, right? Yep. So who makes it? And, and that's kind of the story here, too. You know, New Belgium has been around uh, since the, I believe, the late 80s, but really in the early 90s uh, came on board. So it was kind of one of the pioneers in the whole craft beer, yeah. uh, you know, story. I think Fat Tire was also one of their earliest beers that came out. Started by two people right out of their... Yeah, basement. you know, like like most of them started super small in their in their garage or their basement yeah. or whatever. Started going to local, uh, you know, local uh, uh, craft arts and craft shows and festivals and things like that, and developing a career, like a yeah. local cult following and then uh, expanding. You know, I, definitely it's not a, you know, there's there's craft breweries and then there's micro breweries, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Mike, you know, craft. Craft breweries can be large. You know, New Belgium probably is is, is a, I think you know it was at least a two hundred million dollar company. Yeah, it's nationwide. Nationwide, yeah, globally, multiple loca multiple brewery locations yeah. and so on. So, uh, you know, just because you say craft doesn't mean uh, you mean micro. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly we'll we'll probably hit on some micro breweries, ones that yeah. people haven't heard of. Um, but but this one is is one of the pioneers in, in craft brewery. Uh, movement been around a while, so 100% employee owned. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so the owners eventually sold the company yeah. to the employees. Right. Like, I don't know, probably 500 to a thousand employees or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah so so they, you know, it's 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 a decent beer and a, a good company because employees take stock in it. You know, just like any other employee owned company, want to keep their jobs and prosper. Yep, been around so. a while, so. So yeah, so um, so do you know why the name Fat Tire? I don't. All right, so I actually got it. It says that they started Fat Tire in 1991, when one of the uh, when the owner's husband took a bike trip through Belgium tasting Belgian beers. The 
They were inspired by the trip to bring a more interesting beer to American drinkers and a new option among the countless bland, mass-produced beer company beer, big company beers. So they kind of wanted to be an outcast. There you go. Nice. Not bad. Nice little tidbit there. It's a good beer. Now, I know you wouldn't put this ahead of last week's beer. I wouldn't. wouldn't. And I wouldn't either, I don't think. I wouldn't, um, but that's just my my preferences, you know. Right. Some people prefer amber ales or red ales, Mm -hmm. you know, to other types of beer. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I I, I don't know if if we're giving it a a rating here, Um, you know. It's a. It's definitely tastes good. I mean, I could drink a bunch of these. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be like a ninety. A ninety. Yeah. You know. Uh, I think last week you were a ninety-eight for. Yeah. So you know, because it's. Good. I think that was a quality beer, and it was right in my wheelhouse. Right. So, you know that that's where you get that higher score, but um, definitely good taste, uh, smooth. Yeah. So I gave last week. I think I gave a ninety-six as a rating. This one I'm gonna put at about a ninety-two. I see this more of a uh, refreshing type of a beer on a, I'd rather drink this on a hot day as opposed to uh, zombie dust, where zombie dust is more where I want to relax and then, you know, drink that as as a relaxing thing. This is more on a hot day, I'm going to pop this baby open and (laughs) have a sip. So I'm going to give it a solid 92. There you go. All right. So are we? Uh, so I noticed too, and and for those on the on um, taking a listen right now, uh, if you go to our website at uh, Solution Systems, which is solsist.com, mm-hmm. uh, on the podcast page, we have some questions. Yeah. Right. We're looking for feedback. Yes. So we what are. are a couple of the questions that are on there? So uh, what what type of beer would you prefer us to taste? Uh, should we make the podcast longer or shorter? Uh, just overall questions to engage you more as the listener. Right. What, what, what's going to make it better for you to listen more of our podcast? Yeah, so check that out. Check out check out the website. I think there's like four questions on there. Yeah. Little yes or no questions and multiple choice. Yeah, and right underneath that we're doing the uh, beer ratings. So as we go along, we'll put the average mm. rating for the beer that we what we think. And you know, if you disagree, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, you know, if we get any, if we if we get any mail in the mail bag, uh, you know, on the website, yeah, you know, we'll we'll talk about it and we'll answer any questions that there are maybe yeah. in the, in the next podcast. And if you're a brewery, you want us to try your beer, send it on over. Give us a shout out. Yeah, we'll definitely review it for you. Yep. All right. So we'll enjoy uh, we'll enjoy these fat tires here while we get into the rest of the. Uh, podcast here so I think our next next we're gonna hit the shot yeah the shot of business central talk about some of the new updates all right so for our next section it's the shot of business central section I'm gonna start out talking about uh, team members because everybody seems to always ask you know what's a team member and do I really need a full user or what can I get when I get a team member what it, what is that person able to do when they're licensed as a team member so a team member is basically for users who are not tied to a particular function and they really only need basic functionality. Uh, what can a user do with team or as a team member? I've got a list here that I can read a couple things. So as a team member, you can read anything within Business Central. You can modify customer, vendor, and item records that are already created. You can modify entries when specifically allowed from accounting perspective to update specific information, such as the due date on customer ledger entries. Um, you can approve or reject tasks all in workflows assigned to the user. Uh, You're able to create, edit, or delete a quote. You can create, edit, or delete personal information. You're allowed to enter timesheets for jobs and use Power Apps for Dynamics 365. Anything you'd like to? Yeah, and you can also, right, it's full read only. Yes. So I think you can read any data in the system. Yes. And look at any reports. Right. Right, so so there may be people out there um, who are management or even salespeople maybe mm-hmm. who all they want to do is look up their customers' information, look up their status, maybe yeah. run a couple sales reports before right. going out to visit a client. Um, so but, those could all be team users. So traditionally, though, team members, limited users were basically only read only, right? Uh, before they they had more functionality, yeah. And then they kind of became read only. You know what? If you've been around the NAV channel uh, or you know an on-premise 
customer. There have been multiple yeah. versions and revisions of the light user, right. team user, limited user um, o over time. So yeah. uh, now with Business Central, the team members, um, yeah, full they're, read only with the with this. They're given a little bit more functionality than what it was for the past year, let's say. Yeah, some of the things that, that you mentioned in there make it a little bit more more use more usable. Yeah. Um, you know that I think the, the the theory is look if you're if you're someone who's got Business Central open most of the day and you're doing you're you're working in there on a regular basis, you're a full user. Yeah. It's kind of common sense to a degree. Right. Um, you know, if you're, you're out on the road every once in a while, you open it up and you want to look at some data, maybe enter one little thing here or there, yeah. um, you're, you're probably a team member. Agreed. Right. So one other thing, though, that I, that I found through the Microsoft website is for third party as well as per tenant extensions, you can only let the team member use 15, 15 custom entities, otherwise known as table objects, per user session. Um, this is restriction set to align the team members offering with other similar Microsoft offerings. Got so basically, it. it's just saying that they're allowed to touch 15 tables when or in the third-party app, right? Got it. Yeah. So you you've installed like four apps from AppSource yeah. or extensions, and then maybe you have some customizations in there. Mm -hmm. uh, they're saying that you can touch up to 15 of those yeah. within one session. Okay. Right. Um, and then kind of uh, you log out, you log back in, it kind of starts that meter up and running again, yeah. tracking those up, up to 15. So I think it's kind of along those same lines, those, those same common sense yeah. guidelines. Are you in there all the time? Are you working all over the place? Yeah. You're probably a full user. Right. You know, if no not, man, you, you touch get away with it. Yeah, like, yeah you yeah, touch a couple things. And what we always recommend now, you know, the, the, the pricing is really affordable. It's like $10 or less. Eight dollars yeah. For a, for a team like team member license, so if you're not sure, uh, license a user yeah, as a team out. as a team member. Try it out again. It's a, you know it's a monthly subscription basis, so you're you're in for eight dollars yeah. or whatever. If not, you can cut it off. You know, end it. You don't you don't want it. Um, so you know you're always better off if you're not sure to try it out and see if the users can do what they need to do with the team licenses. And if not, then you know, then you can always upgrade to the full user. But at least you've, you've, you know, you're not unnecessarily paying for a full user when you could have been right. getting away with like just right. the team. So okay. save some money and try it out exactly. Yeah. So one more thing with team members, uh, team members do work with Power BI, Power Apps, and Microsoft Flow. Yep. So so yeah. So your typical Office 365 user using some of the other apps from Microsoft. Yeah. You get into Business Central a little bit to check on a couple things, there you go. Yeah. I also believe that, correct me if I'm wrong, once you buy one team member for Dynamics 365, you only have to buy one to use it for if you have Business Central and sales, right? One team member works with both. I think so, I think so. All right, I'll take your, I'll take your word for that. <laughs> All right, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> You want to talk to us a little about about uh, sure yeah there's, licensing and yeah so there, there's another another new license type that's going to be available for Business Central starting July first, uh, 2019, which is called a, a a device license. Okay. So these have been around for a while, and the idea of a device license again, it's a lower price point than a full user. But the idea is that you have a device that needs to connect to Business Central. This could be a cash register at a point of sale okay. uh, workstation. It could be a scale yeah. in your warehouse. It could be a handheld device. So you're doing inventory management and a user has a handheld. And with these, the actual the license itself is tied actually kind of to the device. Right. So they're saying you may have you may have different users using this device, mm -hmm. but because it's a single device and a single connection to Business Central, you can you could get a device license instead. And it has to have a lot of the functionality, so that's why they don't limit the actual. Correct. License. Yeah, a, yeah. A device may need to create orders, mm -hmm. post invoices, execute inventory movements. Yeah. So, so in in terms of features and functionality, it is a like a like a regular full user. Pretty much. Yeah. Except it's tied to a device. Right. So you, it, it's not tied to a user who can use it on any device they want. Yeah. Right. 
Texas. So um, that's that's a little bit that's a that's a piece of news there. Uh, another bit of news from Microsoft um, for those uh, NAV or Business Central folk who are running an on-premise version. Okay. So with Business Central, right, it's a named user license. Mm -hmm. So however, you, you have 10 people. You have to have 10. You have 10 licenses, right? right? In the olden days of 2018, <laughs> we, it was a what was called a concurrent license. So you could have 10 people, but you may only be licensed for six users. Right. And then as soon as the seventh person attempted to log on, they would get an error, yeah. right? Which worked really well for like first shift, second shift, or something right, like that. Right, right. Yeah. So when they switched, you know, all these customers have been paying their, their annual enhancement plan and maintenance for, for NAV to Microsoft. Um, now they switched to named user. So if you upgrade to Business Central on-premise from NAV or to Business Central Cloud, you have to move to the named user model. Well, could be costly. That could right? be, yeah. Because all you of a sudden, you're twice as many users. Yeah, all of a sudden, your 20 user licenses that you had in a concurrent basis doesn't provide access to your 30 users. Right. So, Microsoft realized that was an issue. So, what they said was as long as you're active on the enhancement plan, when you upgrade to Business Central, we're going to give you two named users for each concurrent user that you had, which is a great deal. Great deal. We're finding that for almost all of our customers, that is more than enough yes. to cover all of their right. named users. However, apparently there were some <coughs> cases where that did not uh, solve, foot the bill. Yeah. So Microsoft has recently stated that they're going to increase that ratio so to three to one. Wow. So if you so had three. 20, yeah, 20 concurrent users under the old NAV concurrent model. You're getting 60 named. 60. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's... So that should be plenty. Even if for any company that's even running three shifts... Oh, yeah. With course, yeah. all their users, you know, reporting in for all those shifts, that, right. that, should, be, that should be plenty. Because most companies in the past probably didn't have like a two-to-one concurrent user type of thing. Where, no. Yeah. I would say most of our, most of our clients on average, it was uh, 1.25 to 1 1.5 yeah. at the most. At the most ratio, right? So, you know, three to one or increasing from one to three for named users is more yeah. than enough, <clears throat> right? Now, you know, just so and just to be clear, this you can't go add, go add like two concurrent licenses today to your NAV right, world, right. and then upgrade tomorrow yeah. and get six in Business Central because they, they basically set a cutoff date. Right, so what they've said was, they made this announcement just recently in May, and they said that any NAV license issued before May 1st, 2019, will receive three Business Central on-premise licenses. So they made, you know, they eliminated that ability to go back and add more users to take advantage yeah. of the, the promo. So Which is fair. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right, you're getting two two free users basically. Which which is also, by the way, they moved that date to May first. The original date of the two to one was back in December, I believe, or October of last year. Yeah. So it's it's really recent. so now if you had a, if you have added concurrent licenses in the first quarter of 2019, and now you upgrade to Business Central you are gonna get three to one for those yeah. because it was added after, before May 1st. Right, and May 15th is when they started the three to one, so this yep. is all new. That's right, yep. And we have more licensing news. Do you wanna talk a little bit about the... Yeah, so with uh, Business Central on-premises, uh, since it's updated, it's now, they're now including a no charge, uh, one license, one full license for an external account user and also one for a system administrator. So that means if you if you bought your business central and you ordered 10 licenses, you can still have a free license for an external account who's gonna handle all of your, your books or whatnot. Also as well for a system administrator, which works really well. Now I don't know though how many people actually use external accountants. Is it common? Um, you know, yeah, many, many of our customers do have um, outside accounting firms yeah. that will do periodic work 
Um, they may not be in there every day. They right. may just be once logging in once a month or even yeah. maybe once a quarter. Uh, and what they're doing typically is just running reports. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally, you'll see them doing journal entries yeah. uh, on behalf of the, of the, com of the customer. Um, but usually they're going in, they're running reports, and uh, again, maybe making some small adjustments. So yeah, this covers them. Still, yeah, so instead of spending the right. you know, 2000 or 2800 for one license that somebody's going to use once a month or once a quarter to get it for free. Yep. It's great. Yeah, and the system administrator license can also be used by, by your, uh, your business central partner mm -hmm. or outside IT firm that may be supporting your business central environment. Now here's a question for you, and I don't know if you know this, it's kind of on the spot. What if you assign the external license, external account license to an internal user? Can you do that? Um, I suppose you could find a way around that to, yeah. to, to, to get that done. I wonder if it's based off work address or... Yeah, it depends, you know, which version you're running, if you're on-premise versus in the cloud and how that works. Yeah. Um, so a little bit, little bit too much detail for today. Um, but um, yeah, the the point is that you know when you have this outside IT firm or outside accounting firm who needs access to the system, you're not on the hook to pay right. for an extra user license. Yeah, which is which is great, right? It's phenomenal. So saves you thousands of dollars. Microsoft, I think they're you know they're really interested in making they want to make sure that Business Central customers are, are getting value. They're not having to pay you know access just because right. they require the support. They're small to mid-sized business, requires the support of an outside firm, so right. uh, they, they have that support. Now you want to talk a little bit about uh, GP license bank, uh, migration? Yeah, yeah, so you know, we're seeing a lot of you know, um, dialogue out there about Dynamics GP. Um, we were at, again, the, you know, the, the, the Dynamics you know, partner conference. We saw a lot of GP partners there interested in looking at Business Central. So, um, you know, Microsoft has announced that if you're active on the, on the Microsoft Enhancement Plan and you're running GP, uh, you're gonna be able to transition to Dynamics 365 Business Central on-premise via the License Migration Transition Plan, effective July 1st this year. Wow. So, and so what does that mean? Well, what it means is when, when anyone who's on an Enhancement Plan, you, Microsoft has always said they include this license transition plan. And what that means is really, no, okay, no matter what technology or software, ERP software Microsoft comes out with, if you're on the enhancement plan, you get credit for that and access to these other applications mm -hmm. to transition from one product to the other product. Yeah. So it's always been around. It's always been something we've had a, a few customers take advantage of that in the past, moving from... Um, GP to NAV or SL right. to, you know, or As whatever. As they grow, of course, yeah. Yeah, you grow or your business requirements change, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, so in this case, if, if, you, if you have GP, you can move to Business Central uh, on-premise. Uh, so they're formalizing that program effective July 1st. So. Not yet. Soon, though. Yep, coming up soon. Uh, next month, that'll be here. You see a lot of GP? Uh, users making that transition. You know, we, you know, I'm I'm sure there's there's many GP customers that that love GP are happy that that, that that's for yeah. them. But yes, we are. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of interest. Right. They, I mean, people look at, they hear things, they see things. Right. They want um, to adapt or adopt new technology. And yeah. Um, I think it's you know it's pretty clear Microsoft is investing a lot of money, and and energy, in Business Central. The integrations with things like Office 365, Power BI, yeah. Power Apps and Flow, and, and some of the other technologies from Microsoft. So you know it, it, it creates a compelling story where people at least want to check it out and see is this something we should be looking at. Right. Because a lot of people are afraid that it's maybe too big for their for their organization. Right. But then when they try it out, they actually realize. Or a lot of them do that it can work for them right yeah and and vice versa if you've been running GP for 10 years or more and you've customized it and you have integrations mm -hmm. right you may see that you know what our this this GP environment we have this is good for us for right now it's getting yeah. done what we need to um, but yeah we're, we're seeing interest and we're, we're talking to a lot of people right. about it yeah. all right 
So we're gonna so yeah, jump that, into our next section pretty soon. Yeah, that is you know that's that's it in terms of kind of your shot of Business Central news. Um, the last little thing we you know we just wanted to do to talk about is the fact that um, you know it is you know May is May is past. Um, the April 2019 spring update yeah. that were applied to the cloud environments. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a delay, right? Yes. At this point, most people should be upgraded. Correct. Most environments should be should have been deployed. Uh, there was an opportunity to schedule it uh, if you wanted to, but we've had um, all of our, our environments now for our clients have been upgraded. I think they forced the upgrade because of scheduling. Yeah, in order to get, get all these things deployed. Yeah. Um, they're out there. They did kind of, it was kind of a rolling deployment, mm -hmm. so everyone's Everyone's environment was kind of may have been updated on a different day, yeah. uh, so it wasn't just like one day, all the environments are updated. <laughs> um, they kind of, they kind of roll those out uh, throughout the period. But at this point, through the end of May, um, it, it, every all of those uh, should have been updated unless there was some circumstances, right? Unique circumstances that that may have prevented it. But, but most so, people should be updated. So log in and take uh, take advantage of your three hundred and fifty plus new. Uh New features. Yeah, and, and we'll be talking about this probably later next month, but at some point, perhaps during June, the upcoming features for the fall release, oh. fall 29, yeah. 2019 release, may be out. So that's something that over the next 30 days uh, you can look for. Yeah. Um, you know, or wait till July when it, it should be out for sure. Uh, right. And, and, and that, in that case, you still will have but, plenty of time until but October when they tune in here, we might be able to give you some uh, breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> next month I, I I hope we have that out, and maybe we'll be able to talk about what's new. And now a word from our sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by Solution Systems Implementation Team, where all our goals have plans, so you're never left wishing upon a star. So for this next section, we're going to talk about um, some migration techniques for Business Central because a lot of customers, when, when they're either upgrading or, or moving to, uh, let's just say, Business Central, they're not sure if they can bring over their data. A lot of them might think that they have to re-enter it manually, but there are options out there such as Rapid Start or, or the use of XML ports to basically migrate your data quickly. Um, Ken, what do you know about Rapid Start? Anything good or I do. anything bad? Yeah, so excuse me while I finish my delicious cheese here <laughs> uh, that you brought in to complement this fat tire here. That's right, fully organic, no end. <laughs> Not only that, but you also brought in some turtle Chex mix here. Yes. Which has um, caramel corn yeah. mixed with pretzels. To kind of go with the flat tire. So I mean, the flat tire? Well. Yeah. Because it's you know hint of hint of caramel in the flat tire, so a little bit of malt. Or the fat tire. Or fat tire. What did I say? Flat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> fat tire. Yeah. So, God, that'd be bad. If it <laughs> so, I do know about data conversion, and it is something that a lot of our customers and prospects ask about. How do I get my data in? You right. know, it's very important. You've been running a business. You have years of data. Yes. And you don't want to start from scratch. You don't want to lose everything. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, are you going to be able to bring over all of your data? Probably not. Okay. Um, but there are tools that are built into Business Central that allow you to migrate over um, some of your data. The, the first tool, the most useful tool for people is what's called Rapid Start. Okay. So there are, you can create your own what are called data packages. So a data package, for example, could be customers. And what you can do is you go into Business Central, you create a customer data package, you then can pick the exact fields that you want to include in your, in your that you want to bring in. So you're going to bring customer number, name, address, city, state, zip, phone number, payment terms, codes, whatever those fields so, are. So is it... it so would you say that's more advanced than using the so-called edit in Excel feature? To where, so with that in Excel, I mean to where 
uh, you'd go through the assisted setup and would give you the Excel sheet mm -hmm. with customers or whatever. Yeah. But it, it had pre pre uh, pre named fields for you. Correct. Customers, so that you this you can customize it more. Exactly. So with the edit and Excel capabilities, if you're using Office 365, right, you could go to a customer list. You can uh, send it to Excel, manipulate the data, and then publish that data back into Business Central. But your fields are fixed. You're limited to the exact format of what, how, it's, how it's exporting that data into Excel. With Rapid Start, you define the exact fields and positions of those fields that you want to import. You also can choose to validate or not validate certain fields. So it allows you, that allows you the flexibility to bring in maybe an old list of old salesperson codes. A lot of them are, aren't, aren't at the company anymore. But you still want to bring those over um, because that's your history, right? Right. So by turning off the validation on that field, you could actually bring it in. So you position the exact fields you want in the exact order you want. You then export an Excel spreadsheet in that exact format. Yeah. Copy and paste your data into the different columns. And then you import it. And when you import it, it actually imports it into what's called a package data mm -hmm. area where you can review the data that it's imported, see how it's, it's brought everything in. It will alert you in advance if there are any errors yeah. in the data. You can then go correct the data or correct your setups. Maybe you were missing a payment terms code uh, so, for some of your customers. So if there's an error, you can still import it? And um, it shows you that there's an error? It shows, shows you there's an error. Okay. It will import all the records that have no errors successfully okay, and leave those ones with the errors still sitting there. Okay. So you have to either resolve the error by changing your data or changing your setups mm -hmm. to allow that uh, data to get imported. Um, Is it good for use with, let's say, a company that's been around for 30 years and just has crazy amount of data to, to migrate over? Um, you know, it, it, it depends. Um, We'll talk a little bit about what are called XML ports mm -hmm. in a minute. And so, you know, if you've got, let's call it, let's just say uh, the number is not, maybe not exact, but you have more than 100,000 records yeah. to import, you probably want to use, uh, create an extension that utilizes an XML port okay. to get that data in. It's, it's more suitable for performance and high volume data loads. Um, but in terms of rapid start, things like most, most, most people use it to bring in their customers, ship to addresses, vendors, items, on-hand inventory, mm -hmm. open receivables, open payables, even monthly GL history. You can, you can load like a net change trial balance entry into the general journal and then post those entries. So, you know, what are the, the pros of Rapid Start is that this is user based. You log Which into Business Central and you're doing it right through the through the Business Central user interface. Nice. It's in my opinion, it's easy to use. It's easy to tailor to any Excel format you want. Yeah. Most right. now, would you say most people do not need the help of a partner to uh, to do this, or do they? I would say the majority of people do not need the help now. I think what you probably need is a, a one to two hour training session mm -hmm. on how to use it. Right. What are some of the key things? Now, can you get away without doing that? Yes, but you may save yourself 10 Excellent. hours. Yeah, exactly. Right, by, by, by uh, watching a, a one hour training video right. or something on, on how to use it. So those are the pros, right? What are the cons? Well, huge data sets. It'll work. It'll just take a long time, yeah. right? It'll take longer than 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 you might want, right? Which makes sense. I mean, that's basically how um, a lot of things work. Yeah. The the other kind of limitation is you you cannot add business logic into the import process. So what do you mean by business logic? So an, an example would be you 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 want to import a file format that includes sales invoice lines mm -hmm. and from that one file we need to create records in multiple tables 
maybe an invoice header record and then line records and yeah. then comment records. So you're, you have business logic that's looking at the file mm -hmm. and making decisions on what to do with the data. So that's okay. a no-go. So, and, and, and really that's where the XML ports come into play. So what is an XML port? Well, an XML port is an extension that you would have to create for your business central environment. So if, if this is using Visual Studio code, right? Um, whether, you know, each client technically has the license and capabilities, abilities to create their own extensions. Right. So there's no licensing to, limitation. But they have to know the code. Yeah, right. you, you have to understand how to use Visual Studio code and how to connect to, mm -hmm. to Business Central and so yeah. on. But it's very useful, XML ports are very useful for huge data sets, for when you need to add business logic. And the third time you may want to consider a an XML port is when you anticipate that you're going to have to import data, the same data, multiple times. Okay. Either because you have multiple divisions or companies that are going to be importing data into Business Central, or you have a larger implementation and you're going to do two or three like test runs. So now multiple data multiple times, would that be considered an error in rapid start? Um, no, the, the, the difference is you could use rapid start for that also, um, but if you're doing again, you're doing this on yeah. a repeatable basis again and again, you have maybe large sets of data, you know, it's, it's worth the time to build that as an XML yeah. port to do that um, yeah. that way. Now does Business Central still uh, recognize errors when data is imported through an XML port? Sure. Yep. Yeah. Regardless, if you're doing a rapid start or an XML port as an, through an extension, in both cases, by default, it will validate all the data that you're loading in. Okay. So there are certain things that just will not be allowed. Other right. things you can turn off validations at times through a field and, and allow a, a, you know, a, a, a record that in. Um, so, so there are benefits to XML ports. The cons, like you talked on, you, you have to understand how to create an extension mm -hmm. and build an XML port, right? Um, and, and so it's not something a typical user is going to be able no, to do. No, not at all. Um, an example, a couple examples of where you may want to use an XML port is someone says, hey, I've got 10 years of sales invoice history. We want to load in. It's, it's 500,000 yeah. invoice records or we want to load in our detailed GL entry history. We've got a million yeah. GL entries that need to get loaded in. Those are cases where we would we would recommend that you use an XML port. So is there an average time uh, for loading the data in through an XML port or is it different? <coughs> yeah, it depends on the table you're the loading in, how many fields you're, you're loading and how many records are, are being created. Um, I, I mean, to give you, to give you a, kind of a rough ballpark um, you know through rapid start you could import a file that has you know 500 customers in it for example in let's say five minutes wow. right it's flying it's pretty quick yeah. um, now 500 records through an XML port might take 15 20 seconds so you're well, talking about still, at least a 10 to 1, yeah. maybe 20 to 1 performance improvement. Yeah. So again, when, you're, when you get into the hundreds of thousands of records, that's where it makes you, a big difference. Makes a yeah, big difference. You know, an XML port to load in 500,000 sales invoices might take a few hours yeah. through an XML port. It, it might take you a couple days yeah, a weekend we'll through rapid, rapid start. start. Now, could you do it? Yes. Um, but why would you want but, it? But yeah, Why would you it, want to tie so it's kind of a cost benefit. Do we do we spend the time to build the XML port, yeah. or do we just take the time? Maybe you, you view that time of someone who's doing that as, you know, uh, you know, there's no cash out of pocket. Yeah, maybe run so, it over a weekend or something when you're not. But the point, the key, the key point is um, that you know, if you're new to Business Central, you're running Business Central now, you want to get data converted in. There are tools that allow you to do that. So you're not going to lose your data. Correct. Which is key. Definitely key. Yep. Every business, unless you're a start, there are, you know, we do have customers that are startups. Right. And they really don't have much history that they're loading in. But, you know, 95% of businesses who are moving to Business Central yeah. or implementing it 
have history, yeah. have data that needs to get in. And so, you know, rest assured, there are tools that allow you to do that. So really, it's, it's, it really starts with how much data you want to bring in is where you probably start to where you want to choose an XML port or rapid start, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. And I would always start with rapid start until it doesn't work. For really? And then move and then the you know port. go to the XML port route. But I would always start with attempting to uh, utilize the rapid start just because it's again it's easy to use. You don't need developer skills to do it. Mm -hmm. So uh, why not? All right. Very very good uh, good tips and knowledge about ways to migrate your data into Business Central. We're back for our BC feature spotlight, and uh, we're going to be talking about a feature that is has not been around before, and it's a wonderful feature. Most everybody needs it. It's merging customers and merging vendors. Uh, this new feature allows the user to merge two existing customer records together or merge two existing vendor records together. This can be useful when two existing customers or vendors merge with one another or when a user sets up a new record for an existing customer or vendor because they didn't know they already exist in the system and then creates and or post transactions against this new customer. Uh, prior to this new feature, there was no way to merge existing records, particularly due to all the related data that would also have to be moved, including posted invoices, credit memos, ledger entries, comments, prices, cross-references, ledger entries, etc., etc., etc. So, Ken also did a video for this, which we will post on the podcast page. Uh, we'll post it on YouTube. You'll see a link in the show notes. But he also wants to talk a little bit about the functionality of it. Yeah. So, Mike, when I started doing Dynamics NAV or Division back in 2001, I recall that the very first customer I was working with, this was something that they asked about. Very first one. The very first time. And, and almost every time. <laughs> hey, we accidentally set these guys up twice, and then we posted an invoice. How do we undo this? Or can we merge these two records together? Or we're, we're implementing Business Central, and we have bad data from our old system. Can we merge these once we clean them up? And up until now, you've had to say The no. answer has always been, no, unfortunately, uh, that we really ha don't have anything uh, that, that we can do, use to do that. Um, but Microsoft is listening to the user community out there through the feedback. And in the latest spring release that just came out, this is a, a feature that's there. So how you use it, and I walk through all these steps in the video yeah. that, that we're gonna share, but- um, It's relatively simple. Yeah, you, you open up a customer that you wanna merge another customer with. So this is the, the your current customer that you wanna keep. You open it up, you go into actions, functions, and there's a new option there called merge with. So when you click on merge with, a new screen pops open. On this screen, it, it walks through and it takes a couple seconds because it's going through the whole database. Mm -hmm. It's looking at all the different records for both comparing them, of right. the two records. It's comparing all the different types mm -hmm. of records out there. It also allows you, it also shows you the differences in fields between the two. So maybe they have a different name or an address or different phone number. Mm -hmm. And by default, it will uh, want to keep the current customer's record, but you can override it by choosing the, the value from the record you're gonna merge from. So once you've made all those decisions, you click on the merge button up on the top. It will take a, a few seconds to go through because it's basically renumbering all those original customer numbers into the current one. Um, so once you're done, once it's finished, you return back to the customer list you'll see that the customer that you merged is no longer there, gone. Completely gone. Completely gone. All of those records though have been merged into the current one, whether it's cross-reference numbers, uh, prices, comments, posted records, ledger entries, or whatever they are. So now once you merge these customers, is there a way to undo it in case you, know, you do it, you realize, oh my God, I didn't want to merge these two? Is there an undo selection or feature? There is no undo function. Oh, so once you do it, it's done. Once you do it, it's done. So you may wanna 
you know, make sure that only certain users have access to this feature through, through user security. Mm -hmm. um, you can implement that. Um, or just make sure people are trained on, on what this is and what it does and the fact that there is no undo currently uh, that exists with this. Right. But it is a huge, you know, welcomed feature. I think it's, it's a huge feature because a lot of times there are features in Business Central that only certain types of customers right, or certain industries use. This is one, everyone has customers. Everyone has vendors. Right. And everyone makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. So to have this feature so most people can use it, I think is great and, and, and a welcomed addition uh, as a new feature in Business I, Central. I completely agree. Everybody needs to be able to use it. So uh, check it out. Make sure you double check, triple check before you merge the customer or vendor. Yep, and check out our video that's on the podcast link and up on our website. All right, we're back for our app source uh, spotlight. We're going to be talking about commission apps, particularly NetSmart, Sikich, Konica Minolta IT Solutions, GMBH commission app, iDynamics uh, commissions, and SimCrest commissions, as well as NavX commissions. So right now I want to say that there is a minimum of six to seven apps on AppSource if you search for commission. Uh, they will pop up. And they're relatively all, all good, all provide different functionality and features. Although one of them has a, a particular ribbon on it, which we will talk about later. And Ken, I know you know a little bit more about commission than I do commission apps. What would you say is some of the features and whatnot that somebody should look for in a commission yeah. app? Sure. So, you know, for years, I think, you know, we always say there, there are kind of two things that everyone always does a little bit different. One is pricing, two is commissions. Right. Uh, and, and there are a, a, a huge number of different ways that people do commissions. Um, some people uh, pay commissions only once the customer has paid, while other customers pay during the invoice period. Uh, some people may have tiered commission levels. Some customer, some people may have split commissions where they're paying two salespeople or even more. Uh, also, some people pay on gross sales dollars. Right. Some people pay on gross profit. When you add all these variables in together, it would make it very difficult, right, to to include all that functionality and make it so that everyone has everything they need, mm -hmm. which is a great use of apps for Business Central, as is demonstrated by the fact that there's already at least six or seven apps out there. Right. The, you know, and the ones that you mentioned are just the ones that are out there today. Mm -hmm. There's, there, there may be two or three or five more right. three months from now. Yeah. There's gonna be plenty more over the long run, so. And, and if, you, if you search an app source on commissions, you'll, you'll see multiple of these solutions pull up and then you can click on each one and, and read a little bit a description about what types of capabilities are included. And you'll see a difference between, you know, some of them are more, are more simpler, some of them are pretty robust. Really? And, you know, one of them, you mentioned the, the little uh, ribbon yeah. that pops up. So when you go into AppSource and you pull up search results for apps for Business Central, you may come across an app that has a little ribbon on it. And what that means, that little ribbon means that it's a Microsoft preferred solution. Uh, a Microsoft preferred solution is a cloud application selected for its quality, performance, and ability to address customer needs in a certain industry vertical or solution area. Right? So what it's saying is that it's a proven, proven app, uh, proven functionality, and we believe in this that it actually is going to work. Right. Yeah. Specifically. A team of Microsoft experts validates solutions from partners with specific proven competencies and capabilities. And these solutions are then featured in Cloud Marketplace, Storefronts, Azure Marketplace, AppSource, and Azure Portal. So, you know, this is Microsoft saying, hey, we've vetted all these different applications, and these that have the ribbon are, are from well-known partners partners right. that have proven technologies or, or the apps themselves yeah. 
have robust features and are, are capable of providing a good solution for many people. It's Microsoft's way of placing their trust in the partner. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, and, and I think that, you know, depending on what you're looking for, you know, in terms of, you know, are we going to re recommend one of these over another one? Um, specifically, you know, we, we haven't gone in and, and loaded Here's all these all, right. and tested all of them, so we're not going to speak to the, to the merits mm -hmm. of, of any individual app. Um, but, you know, what I can tell you is that um, the Microsoft preferred solutions generally do um, seem to be the ones that are deployed the most, come from... Yeah. Um, so, so start looking at those first. Good partners, and yeah. If, and if it doesn't have the functionality you need, then kind of trickle down to the other apps and see which one fits what you need. Correct, yeah. And there's always, and I think, you know, there's, there's also, you know, different room for different types of apps for different requirement levels. So, you know, you may, you may pull up an app that has 50 features in it, but it's pretty pricey. Right. But maybe if you only need two or three of those features, you can look at one of the other solutions and you may find it's it's half or less the price. Yep. So, you know, you you know, you have to go out and do your due do diligence, your homework, yeah. do your homework, look at the apps, understand what they are, what they do. Hopefully they have shared videos, demo videos out there mm -hmm. that walk you through the key functionality and, and allow you to see what it is or how it works or share that end user documentation with you. Now, when somebody goes to AppSource, looks at the app, would you always recommend for that person to contact their Microsoft partner when they're thinking about installing the app? You know, um, or should they just go right through, right through the, 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 the provider of the app? Yeah, I think um, you know it depends. I know some people they may not have a good relationship with a partner. Mm -hmm. I yes, I would always re recommend talking to your partner. Uh, your partner can probably provide you with firsthand uh, experience right. about working with an app mm -hmm. or working with an app provider. Right. I'd recommend the best one. Right. Um, they may also be able to provide you with information about standard functionality or alternative solutions mm -hmm. that maybe you haven't considered. So I think it's always best to go out and, and seek advice from as many parties as you can. Right. Um, and then ultimately, you know, you can implement an app and then make a decision on whether or not that's something you want to use long term. Right, because if you talk to your partner and if you use like the commission app as a, an example, they may suggest all you need to really do is add a field to something to track the commission as opposed to paying and purchasing and implementing an entire new new app, right? Correct, right. Okay. Yeah, you, you still, you know, although apps are a great solution if you have pretty robust or pretty, you know, significant requirements. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if, maybe all you need is adding a field mm -hmm. and then modify a report to pull that field in and now you've got 98% of what you need to track commissions. Um, and, th and that's a one-time fee. That's a custom extension that can be created mm -hmm. in your business central environment. Yeah. You have no long-term fees. Uh, so that's something that, that also is worth looking yeah. into. So great example of you know, talking to your partner first. Get out there on AppSource, check it out. Let us know what you think, too. All right, so we're setting a precedent here on a shot of business central and beer. Uh, in the past, we have opened up multiple beers before, but they've all been the same. This time, we've opened up a completely different beer for our second beer, and it's a New Belgium Pilsner. Now, right off the bat, I get a hint of maltiness and a little bit of full body flavor. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a beer that I would probably drink on a warm summer day. Uh, I would definitely drink the Fat Tire on a warm summer day. Uh, I like it, not as good as a, the Fat Tire. I'm gonna give this a rating of about 89. What do you think, Ken? Um, I like it. Yeah. Um, I think that you know if I if I you know the, but but the style is more my style. Mm -hmm. So a pilsner, I think I probably would vote for a pilsner over most you know red or amber ales like a fat tire. Yeah. Um, with that said, this is a pretty good one. Um, but I kind of you know to me again it kind of. It tastes like a traditional beer. You know, if you grew up drinking beer, 
Domestic beer? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like a Pabst or a Hams or even a Budweiser. Keystone Light. Well, <laughs> let's, not, let's not go too far. Yeah. Um, but it kind of has that, that, uh, that, that, you mentioned like a bready, uh, malty kind of flavor to it. Um, that, that's definitely there. It's 4.8% alcohol by volume, so um, a little bit lighter in alcohol than the fat tire was at 5.2. So it's more in line with like a traditional American uh, Pilsner or, or lager. So um, what, uh, on, on rating-wise, what would you give it? Rating-wise, um, would you, you give know, it the last I'd, one? I forgot. I'd probably, I'd probably go. Let's go. Uh, would you say eighty-nine? I'm gonna go. Say eighty-nine. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go eighty-five. Eighty-five. I like it. Um, I definitely like. I, w I would say the. What I liked about the fat tire was it was more of a unique taste. Mm -hmm. You know, more of a. Um, you know, just something that I that you clearly identify with. Yeah. This to me, it's good. I'm enjoying it. I drink a bunch of them. It's just common. But to me, something special. Yeah. It's not. I got right. you. It's not crafty enough. There you go. Um, Would you give the fat tire for rating? Was it a 92? I, think I said. Uh, Would you go lower? 90 or 92? All right. 90. So you're I definitely think. rating. 90. I think that's what I want. Fat tire above. Um, but you know, I did go out there and I'm looking. So this is a you know traditional Czech style Pilsner beer. Uh, and I went out, I'm looking at a, a, some ratings on a ratebeer.com website. Okay. Um, and what, one of the things that I really love about, you know, tasting different beers is that it's so personal, right? Yes. Something that I like, you don't like. Right, correct. Or yeah. something I think you might like, you don't like. Yeah. And for whatever reason, you associate different things with different tastes or whatever, whatever it is. Right. And the, and the thing is, what you taste out of it, I might taste something completely different. We, we might both like it. Right. but just get different aromas and, and whatnot. Yeah, and, and case in point, I think, are the ratings or, or, or um, reviews that are listed on these different these different sites. So like on Rate Beer, for example, I think a perfect example of this is the first two entries that I came across here. Uh, the first one, it says, Sparkle Golden, Biscuity Malt Nose with Sass Hops, Rich and Bready, Rather Full in Body, Nice Spicy Hop Finish. Very quenching and satisfying. I agree with something. So that's a good review, right? Yeah, you, you, it's definitely somebody who's probably had their fair share of beer and reviewed a bunch. Yep, you you mentioned malty. They you use the word biscuity. Um, the next entry on here says very bland, lacks character of the Bow Pills. I believe <laughs> meaning Bohemian Pilsners. Yeah. Only some bittering hops in the finish distinguish it from a light macro American pills. <laughs> so kind of along the lines of what you said where you think it's more of a domesticated beer and it's, it's not really right. crafty enough exactly. for you. Exactly, yeah. I think yeah. That, that probably is closer to what I said. I, I'd kind of put it in the middle though, right? right? I think there are elements of it where I, I say you're, it's... You're not completely knocking it as that yeah, person is. I, I don't think it's bland. Those two is crazy, yeah. Right, but, but it, it kind of has that... Those, some of those characteristics of a t traditional American yeah. Pilsner. Um, but I think it's, it is quenching and, and satisfying at the same time. And I also find it's funny, maybe it's uh, just people uh, you know, looking at previous reviews, but I, I thought it was noteworthy that at least three of the reviews here on the first page use the word biscuit. <laughs> so. which, is, which is completely new to me. I mean, it, there must be something in the beer community where they talk about beers being biscuity. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard that in the past? You know, here and there, there's some, a lot of different you, different words. You'll hear people say that um, there's a grassy flavor to it, really? which may mean may mean maybe part of the wheat. You know, that's maybe. within the beer, the malt uh, that's used. Maybe that's, you know, when they say grassy, uh, but there, yeah, there are certain words <laughs> uh, that people use that are definitely. Yeah. If you're in the craft like beer fresh scene. seaweed off the coast of the Bahamas. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. You know? Oh, it's crazy. Well, so that's our, well now, precedent on uh, a shot at Business Central and a beer. We've cracked open second different beer for the day. So in, in recap, um, we talked about a bunch of different things. We talked about new features, team members, licensing, 
the ability to have an external accountant and system administrator licensed for free with Business Central on-premise. We went and talked about our future segment, which was data migration, the use of rapid start and XML ports. Then we talked about the feature spotlight, which actually happened to be my favorite uh, segment, which is merging customers and vendors. And that feature that has not been around for a long time, but it's something that everybody needs. And we pretty much finished it up talking about apps, commission apps. Is there anything that you wanted to add to it, Ken? Or uh, I don't think so. Just looking forward, I think by the by the next time we meet, uh, we may have some news on features that are going to be available in the fall 2019 release. So maybe we'll have some information to share uh, about that at, uh, at the next session. And you know we're looking forward to uh, spotlighting another feature of Business Central, another app or set of apps on AppSource right. uh, that are out there. And uh, as Michael mentioned earlier, we're you know as you mentioned, we're looking for feedback. Correct. So yeah. what can we do better? What should we change? And if we have any mail. In the mailbag yes. from the from the yes. website, uh, we'll we'll maybe share some of that during the next uh, yeah. session as well. And also, if uh, you're a brewery, send over your beers. We'll definitely review them for you. Send the beer over. Yes. We're happy to give you our feedback. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks a lot, everybody. See you next time.